1: And you're listening to TV
2: Confidential.
1: Ed Robertson with a reminder that Louise Sorrell will join us at the top of the hour. Louise Sorrell, the award-winning actress from daytime television, whose many memorable appearances on primetime television include Requiem, for methuselah on the classic episode of star trek the original series we hope you'll join us for that and speaking of star trek we will round out this hour by playing part two of a conversation that began last week with star trek historian and gene roddenberry biographer mark cushman mark has just released the third volume of a three-volume history of star trek slash biography of gene roddenberry that among other things Recounts the various battles that Roddenberry waged with Paramount Pictures over creative control of Star Trek the motion picture up until the release of the film in December 1979. These are the voyages Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek in the 1970s, volumes 1, 2, and three, everything you want to know about uh, the life and career of Gene Roddenberry and his efforts to resurrect Star Trek from the time of its cancellation in 1969 to the release of Star Trek The Motion Picture in 1979. These are the voyages, Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek in the 1970s, Volumes 1, 2, and 3, by our guest Mark Cushman, available through our friends at Jacobs Brown Media Group.
2: And by the way, you go there jacobsbrownmediagroup.com or these are the voyages books.com and you get an autographed copy where if you go to Amazon you don't
1: <laughs> and, okay so all, all the more all the more incentive to go to, uh, to visit our friends at jacobsbrownmediagroup.com. the iconic theme by uh, Jerry Goldsmith by the way, that almost came about by accident didn't it?
2: Yeah he had written another one and they didn't feel it was quite right. Uh, so then he came up with the theme that is used, and when I say theme, the one that's in the for the opening credits. Da, and da, it, da,
1: da, da, da.
2: Exactly, and it's <laughs> sampled throughout yeah. the movie in in other ways, and then it was uh, used for Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was a last minute thing too, because he had done the entire score, and they just didn't feel that the the theme for the opening credits had enough punch to it, and was was quite right. So he. Uh, uh, they said, this would be good if it was a Western and we saw a bunch of wagon, a wagon train coming over a hill. This would probably work nicely, but it doesn't quite work for Star Trek. So Jerry Goldsmith went back in and he came up with a different theme and that's the one we hear now and Roddenberry liked it so much that he used it for...
1: <laughs> in addition to the These are the Voyages Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek in the 1970s trilogy, there's the a trilogy of books on the original series, and I think I know the first volume of the original These Are the Voyages is available as an audiobook of the other two as well?
2: No. It hasn't done well enough. And it's epic, and it's great. Vic Mignogna did that. He played Captain Kirk in Star Trek Continues, which was a show that I worked on as a writer. And uh, uh, he put together this audiobook, and we brought in a lot of the people who were there, like D.C. Fontana and all these people would come in, and she'd read her memos that are printed in the book. She'd read them, and she would redo her quotes uh, for audio, and lots of other people did it as well. And for the people that passed away, like Leonard Nimoy was going to come in, but, but we didn't get it done in time for him to be involved. So his son Adam uh, reads uh, Leonard's parts, meaning his quotes and mm-hmm. all the stuff he gave us during the interviews, and, and things of that nature. Nichelle Nichols wasn't doing well, so her sister does Nichelle, and Gene's son, Rod Roddenberry, is on there. So we got a lot of people from the show. we got a lot of offspring. Chris Doohan does his father, and Chris Doohan, of course, plays Scotty in Star Trek, continues Mm -hmm. looks and sounds just like Mm -hmm. his dad. So it's really a wonderful thing. It's 28 hours long because it's the first book abridged a bit <laughs> we took some things out or it would have been probably 35 hours uh, which tells you how long it would take you to read that book from start from front cover to back about uh, 35 hours because uh, we ended up making that 28 hour audio book after we took a few things out uh, trimmed it a bit and, uh, and Vic did a great job but this thing took months and took so much time and effort and it just hasn't uh, sold well enough to justify doing Season two and season three. But, uh, you know, we're all willing to. So if your show reaches a million people and they all go out and buy it tomorrow, well, it doesn't even need to be a million. <laughs> if it reaches 10,000 people who go out and buy it tomorrow, then we'll, we'll do the next one. But so far, it doesn't look like there's going to be a, a season two.
1: We'll let as many people know about it as possible. Okay, a couple more. Well, we get
2: letters all the time from people who've, who've listened to the audiobook, who bought it and listened to it. And it's not even that expensive. It's like 50 bucks yeah, uh, as a download, or uh, I think the C- the DVD version is only about 40. Uh, 28 hours for 40 bucks. And it's, it's an audio play, because there's so many readers involved. Mm-hmm. Vic, Vic reads my words, and then everybody else it comes in and redoes their parts, or their offspring does their parts, and so forth. And uh, so it's really quite inexpensive for what it is. It's brilliant. He did a great job. You know, They turned it over to me, and and I thought, well, I'll listen to it a few minutes because uh, I wrote the book. <laughs> I know where it goes. And I started listening to it, and I sat there for about two hours listening to this thing, and I was just spellbound. So we get all these letters from people saying, it is incredible. Are you going to do season two? Are you going to do season three? And it's heartbreaking to tell them, probably not, because uh, the numbers just don't uh, support it. But we're willing to do it if those numbers change. Can well, so- I say one more thing about, because uh, you made such an interesting point, Ed, about. Gene Roddenberry being an antagonist who's a little hard to live with at times mm-hmm. during Volume 3. And I could see where he might have been a little hard to live with during Volume 2 as well, but not so much. Uh, it was during Volume 3 yeah. that he was really uh, that's, that's, getting, getting that, reactive.
1: Yeah, the, the bad, bad Gene, Gene came to the core. Yeah, it wasn't
2: a transporter effect. It was a, <laughs> Paramount, it was a Paramount effect. Um, but, but uh, you know, he he's my hero. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, so he's everything he wanted Kirk to be, but taken a little further. Because when Gene would describe Kirk to me, or in his memos to anybody, as you can read in the first volumes uh, on the original series, he says, Kirk is a flawed hero, you know? And uh, he's got insecurities. Uh, if, he, if McCoy comes on the bridge and, and challenges Kirk, Kirk's going to order him off the bridge, right? He, he's just going to get very reactive. Uh, he doesn't like having his commands questioned and he sometimes would take McCoy into his quarters and say, Bones, what if I'm wrong? I look around the bridge and they're all looking at me to make the right decision, but what if I'm wrong? You know? And every time somebody would die, one of the guys in a red shirt would die, Kirk, you could tell he was just aching over it because he had given the order that sent that guy to his death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Gene Roddenberry was a flawed hero. But the reason I call him a hero is because You know, a hero is somebody who puts their own uh, benefit aside and does something for somebody else, risks their own life or their own career for somebody else. And that's what Gene was doing because he was trying to give the fans of Star Trek what they wanted instead of doing what Irwin Allen would have done and just ask the network, well, what do you want? Okay, I'll give it to you. And the reason I mention Irwin Allen is because I've done some books on him too. And and his series would start off with such potential, like Lost in Space, which was very film nourish in its first season. And Smith was a wicked guy, programming the robot to kill the kids and everything else, so he could get back to Earth. And uh, and CBS blew a gasket. They said we're getting too many letters from upset parents, and you can't put children in jeopardy and peril during the family hour. Mm-hmm. And you got to get rid of Smith, and you got to get rid of the robot. You know, or we're going to have to take the show off the air, even though it's winning its time slot. And everyone would say, okay, I'll, I'll change them. Let's not lose the characters, but I'll I'll make them comedy characters instead. And I'll change the whole tone of the series. And they said, ooh, that's good. Make it a comedy because everything on that night is a comedy. So we can have a comedy night on CBS. Beverly Hillbillies follows, and then Dick Van Dyke Show follows that, and Green Acres follows that. And it's going to be two hours of comedy, three hours of comedy. And so he let them change Loss of Space. Same thing with ABC. They, uh, they said, Voice by the seed. the espionage episodes don't do as well in the ratings as the monster stories. Give us a monster every week, Irwin. And he said, well, that's not the way I saw the show, but if that's what you want, you got it. And he did it. Well, see, Gene wasn't going to play that game. And so the reason I called Gene a hero is because he's jeopardizing his career and his health. And you see his health going down the drain. He's drinking. He's smoking more. He's not taking care of himself. He's fighting constantly. He's agonizing constantly, trying to keep Star Trek on track and keep it true. And and I think it took years off his life. Yeah. So even though he's hard to take at times, he's a flawed hero. But he's a hero nonetheless because he's trying to win the war for Star Trek and all of us who love Star Trek.
1: Yes, he's a hero nonetheless, and you can read about the adventures, uh, the exploits, his epic battles with Paramount Studios. <laughs> they and, are epic. <laughs> his, uh, to preserve the legacy and integrity of Star Trek between 1969. 1969- and the release of Star Trek, the motion picture, 1979. These are the voyages, Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek in the 1970s, volumes 1, 2, and 3, available hardcover and as an e-book, Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. I uh, know you've always got several books in, in the works, and production. Rumor has it you will be releasing Volume 2 of uh, your Moody Blues biography uh, later in 2021.
2: Yeah, it'll be out in the mid to late summer, uh, sometime in August, I believe. Uh, I've finished it, but I still have to work with the editor at Jacobs Brown and pop in all the pictures and everything else. So that's going to take uh, probably about two months. Starting now, and uh, and then it will go to print, and uh, should be out around August. And this covers the second half of their career. Volume 1 uh, went from 1964 through 1979, and then Mike Pinder left the band, and they brought in Patrick Merez, and they started the, the 80s with kind of a revitalized sound uh, for the new decade. And that's where this one picks up, and it takes us all the way into uh, middle 2018, when they were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame,
1: including one of my favorite albums, uh, "Long Distance Voyager." Yeah, me too. And and I even like one of the last one of the last albums, one of the last original albums they did in the 90s, "Keys to the Kingdom." There are some good tunes on that.
2: Yeah, I like that one a lot. So I like all their 80s and, and 90s output, uh, but those those are probably my two favorite: is "Long Distance Voyagers." which is why we named the book series after that. And uh, it's Long Distance Voyagers, the album. Yes. book is Long Distance Voyagers because it refers to the Moody Blues.
1: Yes, and the more... and They're
2: the Voyagers going and journeying through their career with them. And, um, yeah, but I like a lot of those later albums too. But I really love the early ones. I love the classic seven, as they're called, spanning 1967 through uh, the mid-'70s. And uh, uh, those like... Uh, Days of Future Past, In Search of the Lost Cord, to our children's children's children, and
1: Seventh Soldier Flashhold
2: of a Dream, Seventh Soldier, Ah, oh, those are just fantastic albums. But I, but I think Long Distance Voyager holds up with those very much so.
1: Well, I look forward to talking to you when Volume Two of your Moody Blues biography, Long Distance Voyagers, comes out. Mark Cushman. In the meantime, these are the voyages Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek in the 1970s, Volumes One, Two, and Three. Available hardcover and as an ebook. book dot com for more on Mark Cushman. markcushman.com. dot the voy- it These are the Yes. These are gotta, the vo- got to
2: put books in there or it's going to take you somewhere else.
1: These are the You can also follow Mark on uh, Facebook as well as on Twitter. Mark Cushman. Always a joy to talk to you. I look forward to our next conversation.
2: I enjoyed hearing your perspective. Uh, it's nice to know that uh, you kind of felt what I felt when I was writing it.
1: <laughs> Louise Sorrell will join us. We come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us.
0: If you haven't been listening to TV Confidential, this is who you're missing Linda Day George, Diane Cannon, Donna Mills, Richard Benjamin, Michael Bell, Joan Van Ark.
1: Thank you so much, Joan. I, I really appreciate this. I hope we'll have a chance to chat again.
0: Well, I hope so too. And let me tell you, Bravo to you. Kudos for doing your homework. That's all i got to say. Thank you. Hugs. That's TV Confidential, every week on this station and every day online at televisionconfidential.com. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, Call 415-886-7411 or visit com for more information on how they can help you.
1: Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at net. talk at net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash
0: are looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit Realtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.